0: Hi, I'm Mercedes. I'm an entrepreneur and director at INC. And I'm Vera, a clinical psychologist and chief people officer at Abstracta. And this is The Everything Else, a podcast about soft skills for a meaningful life.
1: Today's episode is sponsored by INC English Services. Check out their website at inc.com.uy.
0: Hello, hello. Welcome to episode two of the Everything Else. My name is Mercedes Remedi, and I'm here with my lovely co host, Vera Babat. How are you, Vera? Fine. Let me just start by thanking all of you guys uh, listening out there for gifting us your precious time. We hope to make it worth your while. I know that it's a scarce resource, so thank you. Much appreciated. Indeed. All right, so today's episode is the one about focus and the art of being fully present. It seems simple enough, but lately I've heard people talking about concentration as if it were a superpower. Do you have this gift? Do you have this superpower, Rita? (laughs) Um,
1: I have trained, I have been trained to uh, be able to concentrate in very awkward places. Ah. I'm known for that. However, being fully present... Sometimes I'm, I'm struggling. You're struggling with it.
0: I have the same. I've always been really good at focusing and concentrating and terrible at multitasking. But being fully present lately, and we're going to talk a bit about this. I, I, I've been struggling a little bit more with that. I find myself not being fully present. Um, all right. So everyone that heard this can probably relate. So... Let's start with the question of why it's so difficult to be fully present or fully focused. Does the clinical psychologist have anything to say about this? So.
1: <laughs> As a clinical psychologist, let me just start with what the Romans said, a Latin word for this. Harris, the Roman poet, coined this phrase that became famous thanks to Hollywood and Death Poets Society, carpe diem. It more or less translates like seize the day. You know, you know
0: what I was thinking? Um, fat boy slim. Right here, right now. And I'm exactly. going to throw you another one. I think the phrase was coined by two contemporary philosophers called Timon and Pumba. <laughs> Hakuna Matata. I've heard
1: that one. <laughs> now, we have the words. We have the expressions. have yeah, heard them. Why is it so difficult to enjoy, to be fully present uh, and live the moment without worrying about the future? Well, but why is it relevant to to actually do that? Well, we said we are time. So I believe that it becomes really relevant because, as, as Heidegger put it, we are beings thrown into the world, right? We have that existential fragility from the very beginning. We... Feel Maybe we're not aware, but at one point or another in our lives, we realize how ephemeral life is, how everything is just a balance, it's a moment. And that, rather than inspiring us to feel truly alive and appreciative of every waking moment and feeling grateful, rather than that, than making us feel all for nature and the marvels of all the wonders in the world... Well, we're in we, denial. <laughs> it scares us. Yeah. So it produces so much anxiety that we go into denial. Nile. We, we try to deal with it in a sweep under the rug, you know. Yeah. So we are the only creatures aware of this finitude, mm. after all, in the yeah. world. <laughs> so that we what, know of. Well, that we know of. <laughs> the dog philosopher. Uh, probably cats are the philosophers here. Um, but we are doing different things just to go away from there. So some people dwell more on the past than others. Others overthink about it a lot or just plan. And sometimes we just do a little bit of each of these. And, and what does this have to do with concentrating? Well... A lot. (laughs) Sorry if it wasn't that clear. But we need to allow ourselves to be fully present, to be here and now. So we need to stop all that rumbling, all that uh, rumination. We need to cultivate this ability. And for that, we need to create the conditions for this to happen. Because if we don't put things at a pause, if we're always being demanded from the outside world where we cannot... Tolerated in mm. the state. Yeah. You know, you say, OK, I'm going to be alone with myself. Ah! <laughs> <laughs> exactly. <laughs> exactly. So I,
0: I feel that we can all probably relate to this, right? Finding that balance or those moments where you're 100% immersed in something, when time flows differently, when you feel this uh, engaged, you know, this. But like carpe diem, it's, it's easier said than done. And we have the intention of of being focused, but I feel that our brains have been sort of hijacked, not only by this anxiety that you mentioned and the rumination. This is an interesting concept. I didn't really know what it was, but when somebody explained it to me, I thought, of course, I do that all the time. It's like that circular obsession like in a loop about thing about your worries not obsessing about your worries yeah, without really finding uh, or an, a decision that you have to make or something it's like they're always in your brain like what an cows obsess- do yeah and like,
1: obsessing with your own perspective yeah
0: without really getting out of that loop of frustration so those are things that are, that have hijacked our brains but our focus has
1: also been hijacked by other things and among them devices right before we go there, I just want to highlight something. You said hijacked. And this for me is distressing. This is not a good state for our well being. We are being hijacked. I know I am. Yeah. But we're enduring it. This is not where we're going to find the best in us, the most human aspect of us.
0: Yeah. And so we're physically present, but we're absent mentally. And I I know everyone can relate to this at some point, right? It happens at home when you're doing, you know, you're talking to someone, but, you know, an eye sort of goes to your phone and you're answering a message and you're in like three conversations at the same time. But it also happens at work, right? Like, I'm there, but the connection is not always possible. And this is not just an impression. Um, As far back as 2010, (laughs) it feels like yesterday, but it's actually quite a while ago, um, Harvard psychologists Matthew Killingsworth and Daniel Gilbert found that people spend, listen to this, almost 47% of their waking hours thinking about something other than what they're currently doing. 47 percent it's staggering isn't it i think it's, I, I, you know, I it happened but i didn't think it was that much um do you so this was in 2010 do you think that things have changed with devices and is, is it possible that we're worse even worse off now than in 2010
1: i don't like being the pessimist here but i think it is because with technology what we are in has been increasing is this feeling that telecommunications are not a limit. Mm. Um and so we can be everywhere all the time. Mm. Distance is not a limit mm. anymore. Mm. It is. But it's not regarded as one.
0: And and time isn't also, right? Like when I was a kid I lived abroad and it was like you you sent a letter and then like It took months to get back. Like when you got the news, it was old. And now, like, there's a sense of immediacy, right? Like the the adoption of mobile. Technology
1: technology has been a tool and the basis for this culture of immediacy that we're living in. Yeah.
0: And uh, it hasn't helped us in this business of being focused. It has helped us in other ways, in other things,
1: but not in this one.
0: So at this moment, in this culture of immediacy that we said, uh, people sort of expect instant and always on. I like that concept of always on. Uh, interactions, right? And this happens at work and in interactions with companies where you expect things to be resolved immediately. And But also... That,
1: that puts a lot of stress on the other hand. Lot, yeah,
0: it puts a lot of stress. Uh, um, but also this happens in your personal life, right? There's Oops. a sense of urgency of everything is now. And like you said, it's instead of
1: being right to... And you a writing, betrayal if you don't exactly. accomplish.
0: <laughs> yes, exactly. But, it, but it, it does feel like that and it distresses you a little bit. You know, oh, I have to answer it. I have to answer it now. Like...
1: And if you didn't do it, you did it to me. Because from the other side, it's seen as she didn't read my messages. Yeah, 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 it's marked
0: as read. And she hasn't answered. Um, So, yeah, like instead of being right here and right now, right here, right now, like we said, we're sort of everywhere right now.
1: Right hmm and and this is also related to that definition of success that we've built and the narrative identity that we spoke about in our last episode success what it means I need I have to be doing everything all the time I do it and I need it for yesterday yeah. what does that mean yeah, I mean, yeah. Can,
0: it uh, used to be cool to say that though right like I need this for yes like in movies no was it was. The, it was you're a successful Devil worse person. Yeah, yeah. Um, so, and I feel this pressure to answer now immediately. And, and you know, in in 2011, I was thinking about this. I, when I was still teaching, I had an IT student that told me, you know, email was so yesterday. He said, "No, nah. uh, <laughs> because there was a shift in communication, and everything had to be much more instant." And I remember I was listening to him, and I thought. <laughs> what? That's insane, right? Like email is, you know, it's instant. And now I look back and I always remember it and I think yeah, he he was right. Email now seems like the letter that we were talking about <laughs> a few minutes ago.
1: I've I've heard this is funny that you say because I've heard people who worry a lot about time management as we talked the other day that they are just blocking time to respond to emails and they don't read it all the time. So definitely email is the t- The trend the is new that letter. It's, it's the new letter. <laughs> Funny that email, we do these things, letter, right? Email is the new how letter. ironic.
0: <laughs> so yeah, but it seems like it's going to continue like this, right? Mm. Work is changing, and people are worried about a major shift towards artificial intelligence. This is not robots taking over, no, this, what, like an apocalyptic view of what's happening. And robots don't get tired and they don't take breaks and they can perform multiple tasks at the same time. And it seems to me that the feeling is that to stay relevant, we have to compete with this, with computers, and we have to do the same. Peak efficiency, always multitasking, you know, but it's a fallacy, right?
1: Yes, it is. And, you know, being switched on, at all times and expected to think to pick everything up where you left it immediately makes us miserable. Yeah. We we feel it in our personal lives and we we found this author, Carl Newport, reading for this. He says it mismatches with the social circuits in our brain. So Understanding the neuroscience behind this gives us arguments and arguments that have been around for quite a while Mm. to understand that our brain is not like an on-off machine. It takes a while to go back to so multitasking. We're going to go more into detail now, but it it has to be done understanding certain things about how our brain works. But this thing about competing
0: with computers... Is that a competition? <laughs> well, but it I, seems I think we shouldn't get into that. But sometimes th- that's how it feels, right? That we have to multitask in order to be like the computers that we're competing against. Well, you
1: know, Ford when he when he created this factory, this way of creating humans, of making humans work as if a, as, as a machine. Mm-hmm. We we need to stop competing with machines. At least the way I see it, our way out is valuing and considering us for being humans not putting us in the place of resources we're not resources we are humans we are people oh. and we have this fabulous machine that is our brain that it's more complex than any other machine that exists out there so the ability to single task and to create and to in to connect things creatively in a different way in integrating knowledge and stimuli from all sorts of, of from different ways, Mm. is what distinguishes us from computers. And it will ultimately preserve a place for humans at work. Mm. So focus always on what makes us different. That is the big paradigm shift, I believe. Leave the multitasking for the robots.
0: <laughs> I like that. Like separating <laughs> yourself and actually valuing yourself for, for what you can bring to the table. Let's talk a bit more about multitasking. It seems to me like this is the fad that we all bought into. You know, like open spaces. Oh, they're great. Everyone gets them. And now it's like, oh, this is shit. So several sources. had to appear. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Several sources prove that the term multitasking sort of became known to the public in the 60s and it was used talking about computers. No? And then we've started to use it uh, referring to people.
1: I, I remember associating, when people associated with, with Windows when it came out.
0: Exactly. Because we're not that young. Yeah. I don't know about you, but I, I don't know what you're talking about, so <laughs> So a multitask. <laughs> uh, a multitask is a set of tasks taking turns to share one resource. And in, in uh, computers, it's the CPU, right? And for us, it's our brain. Yeah, that, our right? memory. our memory. Because
1: when we're doing something, part of our working memory is working engaged. Memory. and, and what, this what is something what is that? What is working memory? Because I've seen that come up a lot. It's a part of the memory that is engaged, and it's the one that is keeping that fresh information that we need to do the task. If, right. you are, if you are doing an Excel uh, a spreadsheet, I'm not saying brands, If because <laughs> we're not sponsored by Microsoft yet. Um, if you are, you're doing a spreadsheet and you are remembering numbers, it's that little voice in your head that you actually listen to when you say 1,200 right and right. you're typing it that's your working memory there right. right? and you need it it's not something that it's going to be saved for a long time but it's there engaged now if you interrupt that the working memory abandons that knowledge and starts again that's why multitasking is really not effective but why did we buy into it why why did we believe
0: this bullshit <laughs>
1: <laughs> Again, it, it is connected to that idea of success and being and busyness, this business narrative that we've created. It makes us save time, it makes us seem more productive, but it doesn't.
0: So it, do, it doesn't actually save time. No. And uh, research in neuro, neuroscience tells us that um, the brain doesn't really do tasks simultaneously as we thought or hoped it might. Yep, it doesn't.
1: In fact, we just switch tasks quickly. And each time we move from hearing music to writing a text or talking to someone, there is a stop-start process that goes on in the brain. Yeah. And that stop-start-start-stop-start start, stop, start process is rough on us. Rather than saving time, it costs us time. Even very small microseconds, when you start adding up, it makes us less efficient, we make more mistakes. And I think this is very important, it burns us out. Yeah. It, it is tiring, it burns in the long run, even yeah. though
0: we feel we're saving time. It will affect it our
1: energy. You know, it's not just about managing time. It's about managing, managing our energy. Yeah.
0: Now, I, I'm guessing, because at the beginning when, when, when I heard this, I, I was the same. I'm guessing that people are at home or wherever you guys are, are listening to this and shaking their heads and saying, nah, that's that's not true. This isn't right. I do it really well.
1: You know, multitasking yeah. saves me time. I'm a great multitasker. I'm a great multitasker. I've heard that in job interviews. I'm a great multitasker.
0: Alright, so there's this experiment that is uh, used to actually prove this point. And uh, it, it, okay, to do it, you're going to need a piece of paper, a pen and a timer. I'm going to walk you through it. If you don't have time to do it now because you don't have a pen or a paper, try and do it at home so that you can, you can prove it at just I think just doing it in your brain yeah, you, you know you, you know it's going to be right. So the first thing um, that you have to do is you have to draw two horizontal lines on a piece of paper and you have to time yourself as you carry out the two tasks that follow. On the first line that you drew, you have to write multitasking rocks. And on the second task on the second line, sorry, that y- you have to write out the numbers 1 to 18 sequentially, right? 1 2 3 4 5 until 18. How long did it take you to do those tasks? Well, usually it takes around 20 seconds, right? Now, let's multitask. You draw two more horizontal lines and you're going to write the same text, right? The, the text and the numbers. Only this time... don't forget to time yourself, you're going to write a letter in one line and then a number on the line below. Then the next letter in the sentence on the upper line and then the next number in the sequence, changing from line to line, right? In other words, you write the letter M and then number one below and then the letter U and then the number two, yeah? And so on until you complete both lines. That is switch tasking
1: on something very... um, Switch-tasking? Switch-tasking. You go from (laughs) one task to the other, just like a printer does. When a printer goes... Multitasking, switch-tasking. When when a printer goes, many times, it goes a little bit like that, right? Yeah, yeah. Yeah, a little bit and then each. a little bit. Of, yeah, yeah, oh, that's exactly right.
0: That's very visual. Um, but that's exactly what happens when we attempt to do many things, uh, often more complex and at the same time. So how long did this second
1: exercise take you? Uh, usually more than double the time that it took you to do the first one. And that is the number that neuroscience gives. It's generally it takes around 50 percent more time yep. than it would. So the problem here is something known as attention residue. Experiments have demonstrated that when you switch your attention from one task to another, a bit of your mind is still focused on the previous task. Your working memory is still there. So each time you switch back again, you have to remind yourself about what it was that you were doing. You have to get that, again, that working memory. Working <laughs> well, that I'm was like, the what? word. <laughs> that working memory to go back to the task. So... This is a distraction from one task to the other, and this is this puts lots of pressure on your cognitive load, hmm. right? Because that that is what uh, creates this feeling of being drained after a whole day in the office when you were sitting down on your desk with your computer, you weren't, you don't feel satisfied because you finished something, because you you've grown towards something, you feel drained. Yeah.
0: So let, let, let's go back to, to the experiments. Um, as you're performing complicated tasks that require the same part of the brain, there just isn't going to be enough resources, or there aren't going to be enough resources to, to share, right? to go around. then this is the working memory that, that you were talking mm-hmm. about, right?
1: Yep.: A study showed that people distracted by other tasks, like incoming email or phone calls a 10 point falling their IQs. Ten points. Do you know what 10 points in an I.Q mean? Well, that is, I, I can associate it a lot, because I'm a mother of two, with losing a night of sleep. And I cannot imi- I cannot tell what many nights of sleep do to your <laughs> IQ. All right, so you guys, that that same number, 10-point fall,
0: it's proven to be more than two times the effect of smoking a joint. I, I don't think I had actually understood it until I, I saw it. <laughs> So this is a PSA for stoners,
1: right? Like blame everything on the multitasking. I was multitasking, <laughs> but it's like driving drunk. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So we've grown so used to see these. it like that. It's not, not perceived it like, like that. that. No, and and this to be always on again to be on the zone, active, redacting, making it. We are not. We are going against all of our creative potential, human potential, as we were saying. And yeah. I I want to highlight this because. For us it was preparing this was mind blowing right yeah, yeah,
0: yeah, Well
1: you know in one study uh,
0: professor Gloria Mark found that in general workers average only listen to this 3 minutes on any given task before switching to another one 3 minutes and about 2 minutes using any digital tool before switching to another because one
1: Because we're hijacked we yeah. are consul- we are we are addicted to yeah, this yeah, yeah. Now there are things that we can multitask okay. these are like chores Mhm if there is something that you're doing mechanically, like running or cooking, for example, you can run and listening to your favorite music. You can cook and listen to this, this podcast. podcast. <laughs> you can wash the dishes and talk on the phone. Those things you can do because you're like using an different... Like in
0: autopilot mode, in, yeah. in, in, in a it's sense. Not,
1: it's not, I'm, I'm not mindfully cooking. It's yeah. not for trying a new recipe. It's for something that you know yeah. you've, you've mastered. Yeah. Yes. But what is hurting us is that thing that Carl Newport uh, calls his hyperactive hive mind. People's brains are loaded and worked without any pause. And this brings, as we were saying, this feeling of draining and less productivity. So these two things can be seen, but they go hand in hand, being yeah. more productive and feeling better. Yeah, yeah, yeah.
0: So all this multitasking is making it difficult for us to do deep work, right? Like, I like this distinction, I, I hadn't heard of it before, between deep work and shallow work. And this guy, Newport, explains it perfectly, right? He says, shallow work is what prevents you from being fired, and deep work is what gets you promoted, right? Mm-hmm. The, 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 the
1: intense, focused work. I guess. Exactly. And where you feel that you're making a difference. Yeah. But deep work is hard. And we, we are not... It's not that we're... I think that we are wired for it. But it's not that we need, we need to change certain things to make it happen. Yeah. Because it requires focus, concentration, and this, achieving this state of what many people already have heard as the state of flow.
0: So let's talk a little bit about that
1: flow, this being in the zone that, we, that, that we've heard of before. Exactly, that sweet spot. Yeah. Um, he he's the author of this book that was written in 1990. So these ideas are new, but they've been yeah, around for new. a while, yeah. right? So he claims that the best moments in our lives are not the passive, receptive, relaxing times. And this is something that many authors uh, go in the same direction. They, These authors, they propose that the best moments usually occur in a person's body and mind are stretched to their limits in a voluntary effort to accomplish something difficult and worthwhile. That, that's a like trekking. A, yeah, yeah. You know, go back to your memories. What were... Those moments that it was hard, but then was a reward. Yeah, it was
0: meaningful. So this is like a more poetic way of saying that they're not meh moments.
1: Or that the <laughs> meh moments are not that worth living.
0: But what is flow? Um, think of it when, when you're doing a task or an activity and you're, like, hyper-focused and, and fully engaged, right? And this guy, highly. Yeah. if you guys look him up, like, it's impossible. It has, like, all the letters of the al- alphabet. It, <laughs> but he describes the characteristics of flow as... All right, complete concentration on um, a task. Yeah,
1: complete concentration.
0: Complete. Having clarity of goals and reward
1: in mind... And 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 here, for me, it's important because complete concentration means making the setup for that to happen. Mm-hmm. The other thing, clarity of goals, you know, what you're going to achieve or what you should achieve in that time, make it achievable. Yeah. Don't set, change the world, 20 minutes, you're not going to do it. But rewards in mind doesn't mean give yourself a chocolate. We are not Pavlov dogs. Please don't do that. Rewards can be about... Feeling proud of what happened. Yeah, the,
0: the experience yeah. in itself
1: has the outcome. to be Enjoying it, rewarding. Enjoying the experience. Yeah. yeah.
0: And that when when you're problem. flowing or when you're in, in this zone, there is like a transformation of time, right? The time I, goes by like really quickly or sometimes time flies. you feel like it, yeah. Oh,
1: time flew. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Is it done already? Yeah. yeah. Is it time already? I need to go and pick up the kids. Yeah. And, and there is like an
0: effortlessness and ease, this flow. That we're talking mm-hmm. about. Like it's not something that, that you're like struggling with. It's like it it,
1: it flows. <laughs> it flows. Yeah, the other day, uh, in our previous episode we were talking about how relative time feels. Yeah. Well. That's an example. This is. This is the explanation of why it does.
0: And there's a a balance between challenge and skills. And this is the the important thing or the key thing here is that to to achieve this state of flow, it's not something that is really easy and it's not something that is super difficult. Exactly. You
1: need to balance that so that you make it achievable yet challenging. Yeah. And um, like your actions and awareness emerge, you
0: sort of lose this uh, self-conscious rumination. No, you your
1: self-transcendence. Viktor Frankl used to say, right? Going, yeah. we we were talking about rumination as this thing that where you're always yeah. thinking about your own perspective from your own Get perspective. Get your head out of
0: your ass. Put it
1: <laughs> stop being so self-centered. Exactly.
0: All right. And there is a feeling of control over the task. That's exactly. what they, what's it, that's what they say.
1: All right. So. Uh, Just as a summary, you are completely concentrated on the task, you have clarity of goals and rewards in mind, there is a transformation of time, the experience is intrinsically rewarding, there is effortlessness and ease, there is flow, there is a balance between challenge and skills, that sweet spot, they say, the actions and awareness are merged, losing your your self-consciousness in rumination. And there is a feeling of control over the task. Mm-hmm. That is a that sounds like a balance.
0: But this guy, Csikszentmihalyi, the author of Flow, he considers the flow state an experience of true happiness and one that requires gold and intrinsic rewards, right? And I, when when I read this, I sort of imagine someone in a state of trance. You know, is is this a little over romantic? What is Flow? Is it only creative, life changing work? What does it mean when it's not my hobby or my passion? I can imagine this in a musician or a surfing a wave, or but how do we bring this to our daily lives?
1: <laughs> I, I imagine quite the opposite. I imagine myself knitting. <laughs> I'm sorry, I sometimes knitting. sound like an eighty-year-old 80 grandma, year old woman. yeah, <laughs> because it's that meditative work, okay. you know, something where your rumination stops, that puts an end to that and you're being involved you're engaged it's like st- i remember studying for an exam um it's when you're working and you are f- listening to that internal dialogue you actually hear your brain think the, the internal dialogue that doesn't
0: say you suck
1: you no, suck right no 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 <laughs> constructive nah, nah. the internal dialogue that's your working memory yeah and it's being it's concentrated yeah, you're to it yeah? Yeah, yeah
0: yeah it's not being hijacked right yeah.
1: All right. So, um, and actually, you know what? It bothers when it's hijacked. Mm-hmm. When some when somebody interrupts you, and this is one of the cases against the open uh, open plan office yeah. is when people you are in this state of flow, and somebody comes in to say hi. It's like, oh, I was with something on the tip of my tongue. I was thinking, I was, you weren't seeing it, but I was having a conversation yeah, because yeah. I was working yeah. and
0: it takes like uh, what is it like 20, 20 minutes yeah, 20 minutes to actually get back into that focus and
1: sometimes it's like that moment that, yeah it
0: never comes back all right so these things that we've talked about today why would these things be important for employees remember we said that I I, I wanted to try and answer these two questions right like why would <laughs> all of this be important for employees
1: well, when you're working in a place where you can devote time to having this type of activities and put, your, put yourself to work on things that are meaningful with time to concentrate on that, this reduces anxiety because we are doing what we need to do in order to get those objectives done. And that gives us a, self, a sense of purpose and that connects us to our um, self-esteem as a worker because I did something that is meaningful to others that helped me get promoted also yeah. you, but those things that make a difference right yeah.
0: and and why would this be important for a company let's say you have a company and you have to try you you why would it be important for the bosses to try and encourage and foster this
1: well, because we said that we work with people, not with human resources. So you are putting, giving the opportunity to humans to do what humans do best—to put, uh, to put their work, and to do have something that is meaningful, that engaged. So they will feel better, and you will have people more present. And these people are going to be more likely to be creative. So when new problems or new situations arise, they are going to creatively come up with new solutions. With new solutions.
0: All right, Vera, we've covered quite a bit today. What seeds have we planted then?
1: Well, I think we have to recognize the cultural moment we're living in, this immediacy culture. Look around you and consider your role in that and how you're not present at times. That is, a, again, a tough conversation. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You see yourself, you see what's going on with other people. You see them on the phone all the time. But you need to see yourself in the mirror, see how well you're doing with that. Yeah,
0: yeah, And also how you're preventing others from being present. Because this is the other thing also.
1: Are you doing the immediate thing? Is that message that you're sending? This is this. Got a, mo- a good moment to send a message? Is this the correct channel to send that message? Yeah. Should you be sending a letter? No. <laughs> Should you be sending an email instead of an instant message?
0: Exactly. All right, and we also have to consider. Uh, Sort of putting ourselves into multitasking rehab, right? Yeah. Have a good, strong look at that and and, and, and yeah, you consider you Help yourselves
1: rehab. with tools, with there are apps for this. We're going to go more into detail in another time, maybe, to talk about our digital well-being. But mm-hmm. there are some apps that can help you out. Don't touch that phone. Yeah. Don't get on the phone. <laughs> but there are other things that are not so technological. Put it away, put it in the trunk. Um talk to your friends and partners, make agreements and, okay, we're not looking at our phones. We're not taking pictures now and we're not, posting this right now
0: yeah the issue here is not so much the tools that we use but the underlying workflow that we talked about right that's the key issue because if you just focus on you know don't use the phone don't unlock it do this app or whatever but you're not really solving the issue behind it which is the workflow that demands that constant messaging then you're not really going to change anything exactly
1: and this flow is for everything it's not just for work it's for our conversations. Are we, concentrating, are we concentrating on what's happening on the other side for the other person? Are we, I don't know, are we enjoying this moment, this fully present? This is an art. And we're, we're not very good at it right now.
0: <laughs> and we're going to have to find these practices, right, to help us focus more. And Do you have any? Uh...
1: No. <laughs> <laughs> All right. But we have
0: homework for you, and yeah. this is where we're going to find them, right? All right. So we've learned our, our lesson. Uh, homework is a little shorter this time around so that nobody
1: can, nobody complains. What's the homework, Vera? Okay. So choose a project. That thing that's always on your backlog, a personal hobby that you never have time for. Choose something challenging, not necessarily fun. Something that you always postpone. You procrastinate. Something that is hard enough and that is interesting enough, and dedicate this, in this ninety ninety mode, ninety minutes during ninety days on one thing, one thing at a time. Maybe pencil that... it
0: into your schedule, like we talked about last time. Right? Look at your schedule. And if it's a work thing, it's in a in a work time that you put ninety. And if minutes it's a towards. hobby,
1: dedicate. If you want to meditate, maybe it's not ninety minutes, but you want to exercise, dedicate. Why it's 90 minutes? Because our the level of our concentration as adults is 40 minutes. That's around the average. So we need to exercise this. To be concentrated on something for 90 minutes is really hard. Mm. So maybe you can take shorter. But the important thing is focus bursts, working bursts. Not everything at the same time, but focus, focus bursts. Burst. All right. And the second homework is? Mindful practice. Okay. A moment... When you are mindfully doing what you're doing, you're cooking, you're cooking, cooking. you're working on this task that it's difficult, work in it. Don't do many things at the same time. Yeah. Basically, homework this time is putting all these things into practice and see how it goes. If it works, well, maybe it's a sign that we should keep doing more of this. Mm hmm.
0: All right, guys, so you've got work to do. We'll be expecting your comments on this homework and the challenges that you face, because this is the first part of the conversation. We said
1: the word rehab. Yeah,
0: right. So the first part is, all right, think about these things and realize them and try and pencil them. Think about the challenges that this implies. And we, in uh, episode two, in the bonus track, we're going to give you some really practical tips to help you achieve this focus and work on the art of being fully, fully present. Is that right? Yep. We're about done then. Thank you so much for listening and uh, good luck with your homework.
1: Good luck. (laughs) Are you following us on social media? Join our community. This is an ongoing conversation. We are the Everything Else podcast on Instagram and Twitter. And don't forget to subscribe to the podcast on Spotify, Google Podcast, Apple Podcast, or wherever you get your podcast from.